No, we, you know, I mean, we, we just, we, the bears are what we thought they were. What, what, what we thought they were. Say that one more time, play. One more time. One more time. Bear Essentials Podcast is sponsored by Ken's Lager Brewery, located in Oak Park, Illinois. They're a local lager-focused brewery. The tap room is currently closed, but you can still order online for local delivery or curbside pickup. The Bear Essentials Podcast listeners will receive a 15% discount on your order by using promo code BEARSPOD. Please visit them at kenslager.com. That's spelled K-I-N-S-L-A-H-G-E-R.com. Welcome to the Bear Essentials. We are a Chicago Bears podcast for the fans. On today's show, we will break down the Bears' week six victory over the Carolina Panthers and much more. Hey, Dub, how you doing, bro? I'm doing well, Press. How are you? Bro, man, I'm feeling like I'm five and one. That's what I'm feeling like. I'm feeling pretty good myself. I'll tell you one thing, man. Um, there's a lot that we're going to get into in this episode, listeners. Uh, this team is far from perfect, but guess what, man? Five and one is five and one, and we're going to take it all day. I'm about to crack open my victory brew over here, drinking that Prohibition Pills from Kinslager Brewery. Let me crack mine open as well. Oh, man. That tastes like victory right there, man. <sighs> yes, it does. <laughs> well, man, well, like I said, we got a lot to unpack in this episode. Before we get into it, You and I, on our last episode, we went through some keys uh, to beating the Carolina Panthers. So we wanted to kind of review that for our listeners here before we get into the nuts and bolts of the episode. So, A-Dub, on the last episode, we said, look, not to be a broken record, right? But the key to probably beating this team was going to be us running the ball today. Now, Carolina's secondary, you know, as we saw leading up into this game, had been pretty solid. How do you feel, you know, that we did as far as running the ball today? I felt okay about running the football today. I thought we did a good job of mixturing up uh, passing plays and run plays today. So still got some ways to go, but um, overall, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I, I feel you there. I would say when I think of that, I think that was an area where we, you know, we didn't get it done, right? But at the same time, to your point, hey, we did enough just to get the job done. So we'll just kind of leave it there. The next area that we talked about was basically tackling Mike Davis. This was going to be Mike Davis's revenge game. Guess what, Mike Davis? The joke was on you because we got the revenge on you and we we got rid of you for a reason because you didn't do shit out there today. Um, <laughs> how'd you think the defense did as far as Mike uh, Mike Davis was concerned? I thought we did a pretty good job on him. Uh, he didn't go off for any kind of explosions like that. Uh, we held him in check, like you said, pretty much most of the game. And I thought we did a very good job on him. As you can see, he's not the number one running back. No, nah, man. They missed Christian McCaffrey. I'm glad that we didn't see him today. Um, <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say there. <laughs> right. <laughs> the third key, and I thought this was going to be the one that was probably going to be the most important one as we looked at this game was the turnover battle, right? So in this ball game, we had three takeaways, should have been four. We'll get into that in this episode. And today, the Bears offense, we had one interception uh, by Nick Foles. What do you think as far as when you look at those numbers uh, today as far as that that turnover battle? I thought we did an awesome job with getting creating some turnovers, some takeaways. I thought that was um, a big thing for us. It shows to be very important for us. And actually, that's, that's some of the things that happened that helped make, make us win the game today. 
Yeah, man, because I'll tell you one thing. Uh, we're not that good on offense uh, for us to be losing any sort of turnover battles. So anytime we can take advantage of that, it's going to be really great for us uh, going forward. So we're going to get into the episode here. We got a special guest, Greg Mraz, that's joining us today. Greg, talk to him, man. How you feeling? Bear down. Bear down, Prez. Bear down, A-Dub. It is good to be with you guys as always. Look, I got to tell you, in a year that has been disappointing on multiple fronts, professionally and personally, a 5-1 and one Chicago Bears team heals all wounds for me. And I got to tell you, if you told me after week six that this team would be 5-1 and one, and given what's going to end up happening during the Packers and Buccaneers game, and in first place with them, I would have said, I'll take that. No matter how you got there, you still got there. That's right. Sign me up for that all day long, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, Greg, man, thanks for jumping on with us, man. I mean, listeners, Greg is a, is a big time, you know, friend of our podcast, huge Bears fan. So this is going to be a great conversation. We're looking forward to running through this segment with them. So I'm going to kick it over to you, fellas. When you're looking at this game today. What was your, uh, you know, your here comes the boom moment? What was that key moment of the game for you guys that got you fired up and thought, hey, you know, this team is, is ready to roll today? All right. So I'm going to go to a very specific moment. And I actually want to go to the second half because I thought this was a big momentum shift in the game. So Foles throws that interception after the Bears get the fumble recovery at the beginning of the second half. And that was a terrible interception. My here comes the boom moment is the sack of Barkevius Mingo and James Vauders on Teddy Bridgewater as the Panthers are starting to drive because yes. that took the momentum out of Carolina's hands. It's a 13 to six game at that point. It looked like after Foles throws an interception, that momentum's going to swing back to Carolina. You have a golden opportunity to capitalize on a takeaway at the beginning of the half and you don't do it. That sack gets Carolina off of their game plan and they eventually come up short of the first down and miss the field goal. And the bears then come back down and they score a touchdown to go up by 14. So to me, what that sack symbolized was the bears getting down in the trenches and saying, look, we're not going to let a mistake by the offense dictate the flow of the game. So for me, disrupting that drive and eventually having it end up in a missed field goal made all the difference in terms of how the second half unfolded. That's a really good one, Greg, because you're right. I mean, in years past, Pass, we would have seen a situation where the team could have maybe uh, kind of melted down a little bit under a situation like that. That's a heck of a, a call out. What you have, A-Dub? What I had was um, that happened in the first quarter pretty much. I think believe that was the first drive by the um, Panthers. And what got me was that big sack by Nichols. That led to a lot of great stuff for us. I'm going to give you a very quick breakdown here. That sack from Nichols made it third and 19. Thought it was, I thought it was a safety, but, you know, I'll let the referee call it. Um, third and 19, <laughs> all right. What that led to was an interception by Gibson. And what that interception did was set up a touchdown by Cole Komet. So I'll leave it right there. And I'll say this. Uh, we said in our last episode, hey, where's Cole Komet? He earned that first touchdown. That was a hell of a catch by the Rook. Good job, Rook. The thing that I wanted to touch on, and I know Greg probably may have something for this as well. I thought that that play uh, by Nichols was huge, but also just the fact of seeing Jalen Johnson, who we'll get into later in the game, he had a he had a tough game, to say the least, right? But on that play where he deflected the ball and it went to Gibson, I do agree. I thought that was a great play. And Absolutely. also, it gave the offense the ball um, in, in a very, very short field. I mean, actually, we were in the red zone inside the 10. So I thought that was a huge uh, momentum shift for us early on. This secondary has just played to an elite level 
all year. And this was more than likely, you're right, Prez, this was Jalen Johnson's worst game. Uh, the pass interference, the 33-yard pass interference that got Carolina down to the one, that was bad. But look, you're going to have a rookie make mistakes. And if you're going to tell me after last year that you would have a rookie having better production than Prince of Mukamara this year, I would have said, absolutely, yes, sir. I'll take that all day long. Tashawn Gibson has been a godsend. He has been an unexpected boom to the secondary because he is making as many plays as Kyle Fuller is. And the secondary, just whether it's standard or in a nickel package with Buster Screen, I mean, they're just, they are playing at an elite level right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I do agree with that. I mean, Jalen Johnson, he got baptized by fire today. We we all saw it, right? I mean, they were picking on him, and they went after him a lot in that ball game. But let's be honest, guys. When you look at that secondary, who are you going to pick on? You're not going to Kyle Fuller. That's all pro over there. You're not going to throw it to Bojack because Bridgewater stayed away from him all game long, right? So Jalen Johnson is going to be the one by default that they're going to have to go after. And so I think in that situation, Jalen's going to learn from this. He didn't have, you know, the benefit of preseason games as uh, A-Dub has brought up in the past. He had no, you know, limited, you know, reps probably in training camp because he was nursing his way back from that shoulder injury. So he'll rebound from this. I'm sure he's going to have a good week of film study and he's going to have to really tighten up that technique. When I look at my here comes the boom moment, I went with uh, Mario Edwards Jr. I thought that his pass rushes in this ball game, especially in that second half, were huge. He had that play there. Um, I think it might have been early on in the fourth quarter where he had that sack on Bridgewater. And I think that sack basically forced uh, the Panthers to have to uh, to kick a field goal. So I, for me, I really like the way he's been playing. And I also thought, too, guys, that that was one of Ryan Pace's really underrated signings uh, from this offseason. I thought that that kid, he's brought a, a lot in that reserve uh, pass rushing role. I don't know what you guys thought about that one, but that was my uh, here comes the boom moment. I thought he came up really good there in that fourth quarter when it, when it really counted for us. I'll say this, living on the West Coast, watching a lot of Raider games, there was a lot that was expected out of Mario Edwards Jr. This was supposed to be the guy that would have been opposite Khalil Mack for years to come in Oakland. Obviously, the Raiders are no longer in Oakland. Rest in peace to the real Oakland Raiders. But Mario Edwards was a guy that just could not stay healthy, but you knew how much potential he had. So I'm with you 100% there, Prez. Having somebody like him that can be a secondary pass rusher alongside Khalil Mack and alongside Akeem Hicks, Roy Robertson Harris, that is a guy to me that I agree with you. One of his best value signings, at least of the past two years. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and the thing about it is, too, um, when he was drafted, when he came out of Florida State, you know, that was the big thing about his game. Everybody said, hey, this guy has really good pass rushing skills. And, you know, for whatever reason, it didn't work out. But Ryan Pace, you, this is like probably one of the few times you're going to get props from Prez on this podcast. But this was a heck of a sign in and this kid is balling out out there. So definitely, definitely love it. What didn't you guys uh, like about the game plan today? Too many flat passes. This offense has become flat pass happy. Nick Foles had 5.1 yards per attempt, 8.6 yards per completion. The run game only had a 2.9 per carry average, and obviously we could get into that a little bit later, but I just, I'm not a fan of what Nagy is doing in terms of his play calling in the pass game. 
especially at the end of the game. They have a chance to run out the clock. They throw two times and give the ball back to Carolina. What was that? <laughs> I, I Yeah. I mean, there are some head scratching calls that, that Nagy does. And I don't know how to explain it because everything that I saw in the first year of this offense made me think that this was going to be one of the most dynamic offensive teams once they got all of their weapons, but I don't see them going deep over the middle. I see them trying to play the boundary too much. I see way too many situations where it's up to the receiver to get the yards after the catch instead of being put in a spot to where he's in stride already. And I'll say this, and I don't know if you guys agree, but not having Tariq Cohen has really taken a big hit to the short passing game because that's a guy that was your elite number one option in the screen game. And right now the Bears are trying to replicate that in scenarios with guys that don't necessarily fit that type of role. That's a good point, Greg. And also, just to piggyback off of that, we're also missing him in that punt returner game because we're not getting anything out of Ted again. No disrespect for him, but he's not doing anything back there. So Tariq Cohen, I don't think a lot of fans uh, give him enough uh, credit or even uh, recognition for his contributions to this offense because you're right. That is a big weapon that we're missing. Adel, what do you have as far as the game plan and things that you didn't like today? Um, I will piggyback on one thing you all just share around um, not having Cohen. Of course, Cohen is our guy. We're using stunts, things of that nature. We put in those positions where we can do a little small passing and things that of, of that nature. So not having him makes us change our schemes up a little bit. But what I thought was uh, big for me today that I thought uh, that we could have done a little bit differently was around the play calling. And what I mean by the play calling, my concern was around the fact of knowing when to pass and also knowing when to rush, right? In the first half, we had a situation where the rushing game just wasn't going well. We rushed for Montgomery for four yards, and then we did another rushing right after that for a loss of three. That puts us in third and nine, and we fought, we, we found a complete an incomplete pass to um, Robinson. To me, I thought that was a bad way to go about rushing when we had um, folks cooking. And then the second half, similar situation occurred where we got the rushing game going. He decides to pass. So it's like we got to really understand when it's time to pass versus when it's time to rush. And I thought those key moments right there and some key moments where Nagy may have made a mistake. I could see where your point is on that uh, because I do recall that Foles did start off hot. He was 11 to 12 and he, he seemed like he was rolling, right? But after that, the offense seemed to stall a lot, right? And right. the one thing too, I was just, I'm going to continue to say this for our listeners. Foles is doing just enough to get the job done for us, but I still haven't seen anything special out of him. I'm still seeing a lot of inconsistency uh, from that quarterback position. I want you guys to give me your thoughts on what you're seeing out of Foles before I kind of give you my uh, thoughts on the game plan. Foles is exactly what he's been his entire career. Very streaky. And Nick Foles is somebody that thrives off of momentum. If he starts to get hot, then he gets scorching. But if he is off of his game, then he is just as average as any other basic backup quarterback in the league is. The thing about Nick Foles in comparison to Mitch Trubisky and why they went out and got him is that he knows this offense. He was in this offense under Andy Reid. He's worked with Matt Nagy. He's worked with John Filippo. Nick Foles is a guy that wanted to be your system quarterback. There's a big problem with how they are utilizing Foles in terms of how he functions in 
the deep ball game. Um, they're not letting him go deep as much. And that's something that I feel like they could utilize him uh, a little bit more um, because this is a guy that I think is a very good deep ball thrower. And we're just not seeing that being worked into the game plan. Also too, just one quick thing that I would just say on that as well is we're just still seeing a lot of red zone inefficiency with this team. A dub. I know you probably want to touch on that, but there's just a lot of areas here that we just need to clean up. But uh, a dub, what did you think as far as, as us folks was concerned today? Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head for me. You know, right, right around that part when we get to the red zone is when we start to get discombobulated. The play calling doesn't look same, seems pretty good. The players doesn't seem to be on the same page with some of the play calls. Um, we're not being right where they should be. But also the passes are not coming off as sharper either. So what I do see with Foles is, like you said, when he gets hot, he's pretty much doing very well. But once he get under pressure, you start to see him make mistakes. And matter of fact, he made quite a few of them today when he gets under pressure. I mean, we saw an interception that happened, right? All because he's under pressure. So that's one thing I, I like to see. Uh, I wish we could have saw something different out of Foles around that part is when you get much pressure on him, how can he roll out, put himself in a good situation to where to either get rid of the ball the right way or throw it away. But once you get under pressure, sometimes he can make some very, very bad mistakes. He's really at a disadvantage when 72 is his left tackle. And I, I know that I pick on this guy every episode. I'm not going to go in on him. But 72, once again, penalties and just bad pass protection out there. We keep seeing uh, him every week where his back is basically towards the camera while some his the person that he's supposed to be blocking is hitting the quarterback. And we saw that happen time and time again today. And there were a lot of plays there where Foles either had to get rid of the ball quick or the balls were kind of floating around out there. I mean, I thought Foles should have had a lot of interceptions today based on kind of the way that those the, the balls were floating out there to the defense. I'm going to touch on something quickly that A-Dub mentioned. You quickly touched on the run game. Now, my feedback on that is I still think that Mag- Nagy does not have a feel for this offense. This offense still has not hit its stride right yet, right? And so when I look at this and I say everyone was kind of pointing their finger at Mitch. Mitch was basically the one that everybody was saying, hey, he's not getting it done, right? They said, hey, he's going to bring Foles in here, and Foles is going to be the one because he knows the offense, and he's going to basically be the person that's going to solve all the woes. Well, we're seeing that even Foles is coming in here and struggling, right? So my thing is I have to look at the guy that's calling these plays, and I'm looking at Matt Nagy, and I'm saying, why doesn't he have a pulse for or a feel for the game? Now, that open and drive, when – your defense gives you the ball inside the 10-yard line. He calls a timeout, which I didn't understand that, right? Then we get a delay of game penalty on that very next play. And that's because he's being cute. And that's the problem that I have with this guy. It's like, listen, man, you got the ball on the seven-yard line. Run the fucking ball, and let's get this touchdown. Like, what did you guys think in that situation? Because I'm telling you, when I saw that, I'm like, what the fuck is this guy doing out here? There is a lack of confidence in the offensive line to run block. And I think that that has been that way for two years. And I think that what you see when Nagy gets down, and you made a really good point, A-Dub, about this offense in the red zone and president, you started that point. They don't get into a ground and pound mode when they are inside the 20 or inside the 10-yard line. Nagy is so cute with his gadget plays that he's trying to find the most quirky way to get the ball in the end zone, whether it be a flat pass or a reverse. If you have confidence in your line to run block, if you have first and goal at the seven yard line, 
you are running the ball twice. And if you don't get in, then maybe you consider some trickeration or a play action pass on third and goal. Run the ball. If you don't run the ball, it's going to tell teams that you don't have the confidence to run the ball. And one of the reasons why I think they struggle in the red zone is that teams understand that once the Bears do get into the red zone, they are not going to run the ball at a higher percentage that they are going to pass it. That, to me, is what I have seen, not just this year, but really the past two years in the Nagy offense. And what I've seen so far, you know, even in, in this game here, you kind of look at where we do our good run plays, where, where, where we effective at with the run, right? And what I saw is that when we weren't in the red zone, we were effective with the run game is when we had foes in the shotgun. That's today. But the thing is, we're in the red zone, that's not no shotgun really going on in the red zone, right? You're just trying to, you know, find the best play to get into the end zone. So when we do try to run the football, as you can see, we don't get the yards we want. We try again, throw a passing play, right? So like you're saying, we're not really feeling strong about our run game in the red zone. That's basically what it comes down to. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right, but I don't think we have a good feel for that run game altogether because we're seeing that we're getting limited push from that offensive line. And I'm sure you guys both picked this up, but we see that Nagy was calling those like quick toss plays to Miller trying to get like three or four yards a, a, a clip. Um, and that was something he was doing to try to supplement the struggles in the um, in the run game. I mean, you guys right. saw that. What did you think about that? Because it looked like he did try to compensate for the lack of a running game and push it that we were getting. I totally agree with that standpoint. So check this out. We had what? Monty had what? Seven carries in the first half for 13 yards. So yeah, you got to do some stunt plays because guess what? This team not giving us much in the run game. So uh, if we're not getting much in the run game, you got to do so, those kind of stunts right there. Those small strip passes there to where you can get some yardage. I thought what they should have done with that was throw it longer as well, right? Where we talk about, Greg was talking about getting those big plays. We just didn't do enough of those. But I did think that going that route, if you can't get any run plays, right, you got to find a way to get some small yardage. And I thought those little small passes to Miller was also to get Miller in the game, but also to pick up some yardage as well. Well, to your point, when you bring up the point about getting the ball down the field a little bit more, the problem that I had was I saw that um, the Panthers, and you guys probably saw this as well, they were keying on A-Rob. Their whole focus in this game was to take him out of this ball game. And I thought that Nagy missed an opportunity to try to get uh, Mooney making some explosive plays down the field, you know, maybe trying to find Miller down the field. I mean, right. if they're taking your big weapon out, let's not try to force the ball to him. Let's call some plays and let's get some other people to basically expose what they're doing to your, with your receivers. This to me is a big problem because you don't have an established number two receiver. So as we go on and as this team is going to face next week, the Rams, I think is a great example. You're going to see more and more teams start to try and double team a Rob. Once he gets past the sticks, right? You have to have somebody that you are going to rely upon as your number two receiver. And to me, I don't know what you guys think. That is clearly at this point, Darnell Mooney. I, I don't trust Anthony Miller enough to where I can say, this is going to be my number two target. I think Mooney is a guy that if you give him more targets, he is going to prove to be an effective number two receiver. Well, yeah, I mean, Greg, we definitely have talked about that here on this show. Uh, A-Dub has been a big proponent of Darnell Mooney. He calls him Money Moon. <laughs> Money Moon! Money Moon! <laughs> and so, you know, on this, we definitely have talked about how Mooney has taken a lot of snaps from Anthony Miller. And let me, just before, because I know A-Dub wanted to hit something on this on this point, but before we get into this, I think we're going to have to add a new segment to this show 
the dumbass Anthony Miller play of the game because he continues to do plays every game that makes me scratch my head and say, why, what is this kid thinking? <laughs> so today he has a sure enough first down and he yeah. decides to run backwards. <laughs> Man, that hurt, man, because that stopped our drive, actually. It looks like in that drive, it looks like Foles is pretty much getting comfortable with everything. And then that. Yeah, it's like, what is this kid doing? He, he killed the momentum. That was an automatic first down. No wonder a fifth-round draft pick has taken snaps from you. And the next thing that I want to say, where the hell is Riley Ridley? Free Riley Ridley. He is inactive again today. If you could keep trotting out 17 on the field, why the hell can't we see what the hell Ridley could do? Why can't we see more of what Javon Williams could do? I am sick and tired of Anthony Miller making boneheaded plays out there, and there's no accountability for him. He should be on the bench when he does stupid plays like this. It just keeps happening, and it's really frustrating me as I'm watching this team. The potential with Anthony Miller is what is outweighing the play of Anthony Miller. Everybody loves the potential that this guy has, and when he's at his best, he is a top flight receiver. The key word is when he's, no, he's not at his best. (laughs) He's never at his best. I mean, other than the go ahead touchdown in the Falcons game and the go ahead touchdown in the lions game. I mean, what has he really done this year? So I'm with you guys. Uh, I want to see a lot of Javon wins. Javon wins has proven to be an effective weapon over the past couple of years. I want to see them give Riley Ridley a chance. Why not? If you can trust Darnell Mooney as a fifth round pick, trust Riley Ridley, who was a fourth round pick. Give him a shot. If he knows the offense, he should know the offense well enough by now. You know, give him three to five targets a game. See what he could do. Right. It can't hurt, right? Yeah. And I heard Miller speak, um, you know, recently about his, his playing time and things of that nature. And he's been pretty much humble. I will say how he responded to, you know, um, not getting so many plays that, that he's gotten early on. He talked about the fact that he's still staying humble and pretty much just going to wait for his opportunity and try to take advantage of it. But unfortunately, on the field, he has not taken advantage of his opportunities. So with that, I do agree with you guys with the fact that we got to let someone else do it. And I'm not sure what it's going to mean for everyone else or how it may look to other opponents, but let someone else get a chance at opportunity at, at wide receiver if Miller can't get the job done. This is this type of stuff that we're getting pretty much lucky with right now. We're 5-1. and one. I'm not going to take away from the record, but as we look ahead to the schedule, These are things that we're going to have to clean up. We definitely need a clear number two outside of A-Rob. We definitely need to open up some running lanes for Montgomery. What did you guys think when you saw that Rashard Coward actually was starting at left guard over Alex Bars? I thought that was pretty good to see because you know what? I talked about in the last episode, right? About the fact that, you know, when we decided to go with Bars over um, over him, I was wondering that, oh, is, is this guy really that much better than him? And I don't know. Like I told you before, it's a different position. I totally get it. But I'm kind of glad it shows that, you know, that he got a chance to maybe practice in that position and now showing that he can actually, you know, t- take on that role. So it's good to see for me, for seeing a veteran in, of, of, of those two, the guy with the most experience, get a chance to step into that James Daniels position. And Bars wasn't fully healthy coming into the week. I think that he was somewhat of a surprise active. So going in the more veteran direction, like A-Dub said, I think is critical when you're a team that's trying to compete and you want somebody that's been there before. So I'm I'm fully on board with that. Also, too, when you look at what Coward brings to the, the table, last season he was solid in the run game. He was a mauler in the running game. However, he struggled in pass pro. 
So when I looked at the game today, and we'll have to probably dig into the All-22 a little bit this week, I didn't really think that he did anything outstanding in the run game. I don't know if you guys saw anything different, but I just think that we're going to have to see more. We need to see more push um, because this Carolina Panthers defensive line is far from elite. Well, not having K1 short, I think, makes that defensive line a lot weaker than it is. So that's one big factor when it come when it came to today's matchup. In general, you need more push. I mean, you're looking at your yards per carry average. I mean, 3.1 is a team. That's not good enough. Uh, you are a team that is going to be exposed as a one-dimensional offense if you can't run the ball. Sorry, that was Montgomery's average. Total average is 2.5 yards a carry. At what point in your lives as Bears fans would you ever be saying that consistently your run game is averaging 2.5 to 3.5 yards per carry every week? I'm sorry, it's pathetic. It's not good enough because this team gets off the bus running, right? That's always been the mantra for this organization. And so we're not living up to that. Yeah, well, I got to look at two things, too, as well. I'm going to break a couple of things down for you. When we lost James Daniels, did our offensive line get better or worse? Let's be realistic. But, A-Dub, how are we performing even with James Daniels in there? Right. And, again, we got to look at also the last two weeks of winning against one against some of the best defensive stoppers in the league. So, got to look at that, too. Got to take that into consideration. That's a, that's a fair point. That's a yep. fair point. So, look at that. So, today was a day where, okay, we didn't go against the greatest defensive rushers. But guess what? We went backwards as well on our line because we lost James Daniels. And then also, too, is that I know I'm not saying it's a big deal or not. I don't know you guys can take for what it is, but we did lose Juan Castillo because of you know the COVID thing, right? He right. actually um decided to not be able to show up because of um the COVID thing. He's on quarantine right now. So we let the um assistant come about and run the call, run, you know, kind of like try to get our line together. I'm not saying it made a big difference or not. I don't know, but losing Juan Castillo probably wasn't a good thing if you lose one of the, be- the veterans who helped guide this line. So those two things kind of was a factor, I thought to me, maybe a small one. But again, it could have maybe been a difference between us rushing for 60 yards versus maybe 80 to 100. So let's turn over to some of the positives. What did you guys like about the game and game plan today? And just, you know, let's let's hear it out because we definitely delved on the areas where the team fell short today. But let's try to see what we can, you know, hit on some positives. I did like the balance of play calling, though. I'm not saying effective play calling, but I like the balance, right? I mean, Montgomery got, what, 19 carries, I believe, today? Yeah. And you all talked about him getting more carries, right? Well, he got it. Not saying they were all effective, but he got the carries. Uh, we also mixed in some passing plays as well. We got guys involved who we didn't get involved before. That was one of my keys about this game that I talked about episode nine, about the fact that we'll get a chance to see others get more involved in the game. And we saw Cole commit get his first touchdown, right? So that was something new that we haven't seen. So we're starting to see things like that happen where, you know, you see other guys get some catches in. So I thought that was good. I loved Coach Pagano's blitzing scheme today, and really going back to the Tampa Bay game, the pass rush today proved to me that you knew how to game plan for a Carolina team that did not have Christian McCaffrey. To me, and you guys made a point about Mike Davis early on in the episode, they did not respect Mike Davis, so Chuck Pagano came on some really solid blitzes. There was a great one from Roquan Smith that I thought really had that offensive line for Carolina rattled. This team had four sacks today. Uh, Khalil Mack is starting to get home more. And I think that being able to scheme the blitz better is allowing your pass rushers to get more of a run at the quarterback. And we've seen that the more of a run you get at the quarterback, the more pressure you're going to create. 
And that's why this team had a fumble recovery and two interceptions today because the front seven is getting home. And I think that a big part of that is how Chuck Pagano is scheming the blitz. So to me, consciously wanting to blitz more and blitz in the right spots is what is giving this defense a chance to make game-changing plays. Hey, Greg, I, I really love that point because that's one of the areas that A-Dub and I have focused on when it's come to Pagano because we said, look, this defense has some big-time players on it, and his philosophy with that bend-but-don't-break type of mentality, right. you got to turn these guys loose. And what I did like today was the fact that we are now seeing that front seven starting to make plays. We saw Robert Quinn having some impact out there. We're seeing you know, Hakeem Hicks do what Hakeem Hicks does. We see Bilal Nichols getting in the backfield, and we don't even have to talk about 52 because 52, he's 99 on Madden all day long. So that guy right there, it speaks for itself. But I agree with you, Greg. I think Pagano turning up the blitz, and they were blitzes that were coming from angles that the defense had to kind of figure out where they were coming from. And it, it definitely kept Teddy Bridgewater uncomfortable, guys. Hey, let me put this out there to both of you guys, and I want to see what you think of it. You can spend as little or as much time on it as you want. I thought Danny Trevathan actually looked good today, and to have him looking better is huge for what this team is going to be able to do defensively going forward. Do you guys agree? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a step in the, in the right direction. I, I didn't notice that he was getting beat in coverage, but we also didn't have to face Christian McCaffrey today, right? So Mike Davis was back there. Uh, the tight ends for Carolina, they didn't seem to make many plays. The big test is going to see how Danny performs next week against the Rams. I think that's going to be a big key for us. But I will tell you this. Danny didn't do anything today to make me say, oh, my God, he's still a liability out there in coverage. So he was solid today. You know what? I'm iffy with it. I'm not going to say he got, he got exposed or anything like that. He just played a decent game. I mean, nothing special that I've seen from him. It, to me, it seems like we did more of um, – covering for him, right, to make him not become the poster child, you know, what do you want to call it, right, the guy we picked on today. Um, because, again, a lot of our guys from the front was getting in there, right, putting a lot of pressure on um, Teddy, where Teddy did a lot of running out there. So with that, you know, they picked mostly up on um, Jalen Johnson. That was probably part of their game scheme was to pick on Jalen Johnson. So I didn't see them pick on Trevathan as much at all. So really, you know, we didn't see, we didn't see the opportunities there. We didn't. And I would say this, too. Another guy that we saw that uh, that Bridgewater avoided was uh, Eddie Jackson. He didn't target him at all. And that guy right there, Eddie Jackson, was robbed of another pick six. And I'm telling you, it's a crime, the officiating that was done in this game today. Now, Jayla Johnson did not have the best game, but I thought that that pass interference call that you brought up earlier, Greg, I thought that one was, that could have went either way. I did not think that that was a clear-cut pass interference call. I do think that Jalen Johnson needs to clean his technique up a little bit, but I thought the officiated in this game was a little suspect. And then also think about that call that they made on Kyle Fuller earlier in the game. I just, I just think this officiated has to get better um, as we're looking at this NFL season. Yeah, I think so too. But let me throw one point out that you mentioned right there with that Jalen Johnson play, that play where they call him for the passing interference with his hands on him, whatever they were touching each other. hands got locked a little bit. That was the same play that Teddy Bridgewater went to, moron again for that fourth down where he had in his hand and it came yep. out it's the same type of play that johnson did the first time right to a penalty so i don't know what these officiations are seeing but if you go look at both plays and look how johnson guarded him on both plays you're like well is that the same way he guarded him the first time that <laughs> led to <laughs> the passing appearance that you didn't call this time frame so which is it is it passing appearance or it is not bottom line is you're inconsistent 
you got to call if you're going to call it one time, call it a second time, right? Exactly. Got to be consistent. But I would just say this, man. When you look at this Bears defense, and Greg brought this up, how the pass rush came home, had four sacks today. I just loved that red zone efficiency that we could depend upon this defense on. And that's what I really liked about this game. I love the fact that when you have teams that drive um, in the red zone against this team, that we're confident that our Bears defense is not going to let these guys get into the end zone. We actually lead the league in red zone efficiency on defense. And I really Correct. love knowing that about my uh, my defense. Also, you brought up about DJ Moore. Now, DJ Moore had a good game, but people are going to bring up the fact that DJ Moore also had four drops today, including one in the end zone. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> he did. That hurt them big time on uh, the fact that, because he actually had Johnson beat on that play in the end zone where he missed it and dropped it. I was like, wow, we'll take it, though. We'll take it. <laughs> hey, I want to bring up one stat to you guys that, sort of drives home exactly what you're talking about. Carolina was three for 13 on third downs. If you are holding your opponent to a 23% third down conversion rate, that is proving that you are stepping up in the right moments. Agreed. I mean, and they only punted one time. Think about that. The Panthers punted one time and they still only scored 16 points. When does that happen? You're definitely right about that. <laughs> big point. Big point. Big, big time point. I think another thing, too, that I like, the uh, going back onto a point that uh, A-Dub has been bringing up a lot on the podcast, the Bears' inefficiencies in third quarters. And we saw today that the Bears actually scored their first points of the season in the third quarter. Yay! 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 I told you, they got to scratch whatever they said in that playbook or whatever coming out the um, halftime. Whatever you said before, scratch it. Let's just go out and play. <laughs> They're the anti-Golden State Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing that I'm going to pick on Pagano real quick on before we go um, to our game balls for, for today, we had two penalties where we had 12 men on the field, or 12 men in the huddle, and we can't have that. I mean, if Pagano wants to get you know certain matchups on the field, he's trying to get certain packages subbed into the ball game. We got to be more efficient with that. I mean, that's two plays there where we're getting penalties on things like that. We can't have that. I mean, this is the NFL for Christ's sake. They don't even do that in high school like that. We can't have that. Uh, so let's let's. I'm going to kick it over to you guys. Let's give some game balls out on offense and whichever you guys want to kick this off first. Who do you give your offensive game ball to? I'm going to give my offensive game ball to Cole Komet. I know that he was only targeted twice, but he got the first score of the game. It was a great catch, as you guys brought up. And this is somebody that I want to see involved in the offense a lot more. I think that there is some untapped potential with Cole Komet. He's a second-round pick for a reason. He's eventually going to be your number one tight end. So really breaking the seal on his professional career and getting him in the end zone and getting him more involved in the game plan uh, I know that statistically it's not nearly as big as, you know, A-Rob or Montgomery in the run in the past game, but getting Cole Komet involved to me is worth noting moving forward. Well, I'll tell you one thing. We heard all summer, <laughs> we talked about it a little bit on the podcast of how, you know, he was looking and posing out there, him and Jimmy Graham, uh, over the course of, uh, you know, a lot of those training craft practices. I saw him, you know, in that game in that red zone, and I'm like, the guy's a big target. So if we can find ways to get him the ball, I think that'd be a great weapon. What'd you have, Adel, for your offensive game ball today? My offensive game ball goes to 
Santos. Yes, I'm saying it. <laughs> second week, second week in a row that Cairo Santos is getting the offensive game ball, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, gotta give it to Santos, man. 31 yard field goal, a 55 yard field goal. I think he hit another 31 yard field goal as well. So three field goals, that's nine points, a couple of pats. You're talking about 11 points right there by a field goal kicker. You know, it was a total team never for the win, but I will say Santos get the offense. And not to mention, he's probably taking that kicker position from uh, Eddie Pinheiro. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, Cairo Santos hit a 55-yarder. That thing had a lot of room for, to go, right? And he's getting the job done. And I'll tell you one thing. I don't know what's going on with Pinheiro, but every game he misses and when every game that Santos has like this, I don't see how Nagy can go back to Pinheiro. It's going to be hard. It's going to be very hard, man. And now Santos is, to me, when I saw he's making field goals past 40 yards, that's the key for me. I mean, a career kick right here, 55 yards today. So guess what? Santos is hot. Let's roll. And let me add one thing in. His kicks are consistent. He's got that little fade, like in golf. He's got that little fade that he puts on his balls. And I'll say <laughs> every kick that he has comes off the same way. And that's what you want from a kicker. Every time I see his ball launch, I am confident that it is going to go through the uprights. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm telling you, Greg, I'm getting more and more confident uh, about every about a week when it comes to Santos. So, A-Dub, that's awesome, man. The kicker's getting the game ball two times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. But I also don't know what that says about our offense, but we can get into that later. <laughs> right. I'm going to give my offensive game ball to David Montgomery. I'm going to say this, guys. Stats, to me, they don't tell the whole story. And I always tell a lot of fans – Sometimes you have to look beyond the stats. You have to look at actually what you're seeing on the field. And also, when we see the All-22, we'll actually get to see the film for this game. Now, we all have talked about on this podcast how the offensive line got little to no push in the running game today. Despite those struggles, though, Montgomery found some limited success on the ground, but he also found some success through the air, right? And the one thing that we know about Monty, he's going to break tackles. He's always going to keep driving forward, and he's not going to lose yards. And that's one of the things that I really love about this kid and the way he plays. So he only had a 3.1 average, but I'm telling you, if there were yards to get in that game, he didn't leave many on the field at all. And those four receptions for 39 yards, I thought those were key because those really were very helpful in that drive in the uh, first half when we got that field goal attempt for uh, Santos for 55 yards. Montgomery had really some key yards there on that drive. I don't know what you guys think about that one, but that was my offensive game ball. Yeah, and one thing I will add to that, um, Perez, is that um, he was actually leading us in reception yards. I think he had like 32 yards in the first half, led us in reception yards, which I'm not saying it's a lot, but it's enough to where it did some damage. So I will give him credit for that for sure. I think that when you are ineffective actually running the ball, running by passing can mitigate that. You, if you guys remember a couple of years ago, 10 years ago, when the Bears had just a putrid offensive line, that's what the Bears would do with Matt Forte. They would run by screening him. They would get him involved in the short pass game. So the more comfortable that Montgomery gets in the short pass game, the more dynamic of a weapon he's going to be, especially given that your short pass game back Tariq Cohen is not coming back this year. If you can get Montgomery to a level where Tariq Cohen was, that's going to make this offense that much more dynamic once it finally gets in sync. No, that's absolutely, absolutely. That's absolutely correct. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, who do you guys give your game ball to there? I gave mine to um, none other than Khalil Mack. What's the Mack again, man? Mack um, attack. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, Max still brings that pressure, man, like no other. I mean, he picked up a sack today, had a couple of tackles for a loss, two of those, got a quarterback hit. Still, again, he allows others to be themselves. The Higgs of the world, the Vauders, all of the guys can play their position, you know, because guess what? Mac is going to bring that pressure. That quarterback, Teddy, got to run the other direction, right? Or go through the middle somewhere where you're going to run into somebody. You're going to run into somebody. So with that standpoint, Mac with his pressure, got to go with him. I'm going to go with Tashawn Gibson. Gibson has been flying around the secondary. He had two solo tackles, six combined tackles, an interception, a pass deflection. He's been great in coverage. He is the unheralded member of this secondary. We can all talk about Kyle Fuller and everything that he brings to the table. Obviously, we've talked about the struggles that Jalen Johnson had today relative to the rest of his year. But man, I got to tell you, Tashawn Gibson has been solid pretty much every week. And today, Mm -hmm. I know that you know, sometimes you just need to get a little bit lucky to get an interception, but he's impressed me this entire season. I think today was one of his best games. He's somebody that is definitely growing on me because I thought earlier in the season, and A-Dub and I have talked about this, I was thinking, I'm like, man, he he wasn't making plays. And, I, and when I was seeing him earlier in the season, I was like, man, this guy always seems like he's out of position. But I will tell you, to your point, he's balling right now. And yes, I love is. to see that. <laughs> I love to I see agree. that. My defensive game ball, I have to give it to Roquan. Roquan Smith, man. He had 12 tackles out there. He had a tackle for loss, and he also had a pass deflection, and he was really solid in coverage today. And I'm going to tell you one thing. He looked like that eight-fall overall pick that we've all been looking and waiting for. Um, the one thing about uh, Roquan, Greg, you brought up earlier when it came to Anthony Miller, and you talked about the potential, which I definitely agreed with. But we're seeing a guy in Roquan Smith, and we're starting this season to see that potential starting to realize. And I'm seeing week after week, we're seeing him being more consistent out there. And I'm telling you, he's starting to flash. So that's uh, my defensive game ball. I give it over to Roquan Smith. Yeah, Roquan been around the table. He's been around the world, man. I mean, on the field, I would say. He's been everywhere. (laughs) So um, i got to give him credit, too. You know, I'll give him some props on that. You know, Roquan played a very good game today. Um, He was actually uh, in there, you know, stopping those rushing plays. He was actually, you know, um, you know, out there, you know, in, in, in passing coverage as well. So I, I, I'm a big fan of that. You know, when I see a, a linebacker able to cover, you know, in the passing in that air, you know, that's one thing you want to see some of your uh, linebackers be able to do um, successfully. And I got to get real corners props around that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, before we finish up this segment, I wanted to see who you guys had as your underperforming player from the game today. Is Anthony Miller off the table? Is that, uh, <laughs> is that just an answer that we we have to eliminate uh, in this category? I, I tell you, Greg, it's your world, man. <laughs> I gotta I gotta go with Anthony Miller. Uh, okay. I'm sorry, you know, I know he was only targeted three times, but a guy that talented should be targeted more than three times. And you know, like you said, that head scratching decision where he basically gave up a first down. I mean, if I had to go with somebody else, actually, I don't think I can go with anybody else. <laughs> I'm going with Anthony Miller. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be shocked at who I'm going to go with, though, man. You guys are going to be a little shocked here. What, um, what you got? I went with Patterson. And here's why. He's been giving us a lot every game. You know, and uh, I've been, like, just going along with it, right? And I got accustomed to that, getting something out of him every game. Well, this game, he kind of, like, went under the radar, you know? I didn't see him do anything special today. Didn't stand out at all. For me, I mean, he had probably what one, one rushing play. Uh, I didn't see much at all in the passing game, much at all from you know uh, kickoff return. Maybe he didn't get the opportunities like that he wanted to, but I didn't see a lot from him today. So uh, 
we didn't call past his name a lot you know, in, in the game. So uh, I will say to me, because of that reason, maybe it's not his fault, but I got to say Patterson. I mean, you know what, man? I, I, when you said that one, I wasn't expecting that one. I'm, 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 let me, I'm going to think on that one. I'm going to get back to you on that one. I'm, I'm still thinking. Because <laughs> <laughs> we got used to him. You know, we got used to him doing a lot of good stuff for us, man. And today, you know, Patterson's name wasn't like, hey, stood out today. So that's all I'm saying, man. I would say it's tough because when a guy like that, as a kick returner, if he's not getting many opportunities to make plays there, and right. if you got a boneheaded head coach that is not utilizing him correctly, it's kind of tough. But you're right. I think we did get spoiled by at least him making some sort of splash play every game. But I don't know. I think it might be a combination of how Carolina was kicking away from him and yeah. just the fact that Nagy's a, an idiot sometimes. <laughs> he was totally underutilized in the short passing game, though. I yeah. I have to agree with that, A-Dub. This is a guy that because of how good of an athlete he is and how big he is, that even if you're not using him in the run game like you have in the prior weeks, you still can find a way to get the ball in his hands and use his athleticism. And I think that if you're not giving him opportunity, or rather if he's not getting opportunities to return kicks, then that's right. how you have to get him involved in the ball game. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that's a good point there. My underperforming player, and this is somebody that we already talked about earlier in the pod, so I'm not going to go into it too much, but Jalen Johnson, kid's got a ton of talent, but just he was baptized today in this ball game. It was tough to see because you saw Bridgewater picked on him time and time again. They made DJ Moore look like he was Julio Jones out there today. But I'll say this, A-Dub, Greg, I think that Jalen's going to learn from this. And we still got to remember that this kid is still a rookie, right? And even though I say that he has to work on his technique, when I watch the tape on Jalen Johnson, I still see a kid that's playing strictly on his athletic ability alone right now. He's still learning this NFL game. And so I know that he'll get better. So we still haven't even seen the best of what he can do yet. But I would say today's game, whew, he got fucking toasted out there, bro. Yes, he did. And I was disappointed. Not on, I wasn't disappointed so much in him for getting toasted. Again, it was him learning the job as well. Uh, I was more disappointed in the fact that we kept him on DJ. And I kept saying time for the time watching the game, get him off DJ. Get him off DJ. Let someone else. Let, let Fuller. That's what we got a pro bowler, right? Let our pro bowler take on that role. Let's see him do it, you know? And then again, it's nothing against Jalen Johnson at all. It's just the fact that we got someone else on our team who can also do the job much better, I thought. You know, and um, seeing the fact that Pagano still allow, you know, Johnson to continue to take on that role, it kind of hurt us a little bit, right? And um, we were able to get past it. But again, you're not going to always be fortunate to get past those type of things like that if it, if it happens again to one of these other great wide receivers. Good point. And also, too, now that that's on film, we're going to know how this NFL works. There's teams that scout heavily. That's going to be something that if the Bears don't clean up, we're going to see teams uh, go after him for the rest of the season. Right. Greg, you, you got anything here before we uh, get you going here? And we definitely appreciate you for jumping on. I know that you guys are going to do your segment when you look ahead to next week. But I want to say that all of the faults that the Bears have been able to skirt by with in this early part of the schedule, they might get exposed against the Rams because the Bears have not faced anybody yet like Aaron Donald. They have not faced a corner yet like Jalen Ramsey, and they certainly have not faced an opposing quarterback. And granted, look, I know Tom Brady is Tom Brady. He's 43, but um, Jared Goff, man, that's all I'm going to say. You know, that's a really good point. Yeah, we're definitely going to touch on that uh, in, in our next segment here. Well, Greg, thank you for jumping on with us as always, man. This is a pleasure. We love having conversations with you, man, about the Bears. 
It's always great talking to true Bears fans like yourself. Tell our audience uh, how they can find you. Uh, this guy, Greg, has multiple podcasts. So, Greg, talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, what you're doing and, and let our fans know how they can uh, find you and connect with you online. Awesome. You can follow me on Twitter at Greg D. Mraz. That's G-R-E-G-D-M-R-O-Z. I host two podcasts. One is on the Chicago Bulls, the Hoopball Chicago Bulls podcast. That has not been as active recently because, well, we don't know when the Bulls are going to play again. But we're excited about Billy Donovan. We're excited about the future of this organization in the Arturis Karnishevis regime. So follow at Hoopball Chicago Bulls. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're a baseball fan, I host a daily baseball podcast called MLB Morning Coffee. I do recaps of every game, audio highlights from every game, and I go through the box scores. So it's baseball tonight on your phone. That's how I like to describe it. Thanks for jumping on with us, man. We really appreciate it, brother. Bear down. Bear down. Always a pleasure, guys. Five and one, baby. Tastes so good. Yes, Yes, sir. (laughs) My man. So, hey, Doug, man, that was really fun. But let's get into um, our next segment here. We get into our fan reactions. This is becoming a very popular segment among our listeners. So I wanted to get your thoughts on some of the tweets that came in today. Yes, sir. Go for it. All right. So the first tweet came over from a friend of the podcast, Notorious CMG. And he says, every fan should get a defibrillator and a free annual heart bypass surgery. He said, we're back again relying on this defense for turnovers and shit. But damn, we're five and one, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, you and I talked about this uh, pretty much almost every week now, Fred, about how close these games have been, right? And with that, you're kind of like holding to your seats, wondering, okay, how this is going to play out. And again, our defense came up strong again that saved the day. So, and guess what? He's right. We're five and one. <laughs> so uh, we'll take that. But yeah, these some games, some close games here. Very close games. The uh, the next fair reaction came from uh, Vince Mutolo, and he basically said, and this was at the halftime, he said, offense has to be better all around. He said, coward sucks, and the defense needs to hold on the edges and collapse the pocket to stop t- Teddy's runs. So this was in, in, in um, reaction to the fact that in the first half, we saw Teddy Bridgewater scrambling around <laughs> all day long, you know, and getting yards. What did you think about that one? And that was a um, point of emphasis um, had to be in the second half because Teddy was running all over the field on us, man, and um, getting them extra yards, those um, extended plays, and it was actually hurting us a little bit. So, yeah, I will say, you know, Teddy Bridgewater did use his uh, mobility. It did hurt us a little bit. And uh, guess what? We did a better job containing him in the second half. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Um, the next uh, Twitter reaction came over from, so it's at ain't no underscore 12. And at the halftime, he reached out and said, Weren't we really good on scripted drives in the first and second halves of 2018? Wonder what happened. And so that was at halftime, and that was in response to our third quarter struggles. Yeah, that's a that's a um, very unique um, perspective on that because uh, you know 2018 was that year, that magical year for us, I will say. And then this last year, you got tougher, and this year got even tougher, right? So I think uh, we do well when we just freelance a little bit, and then once we get outside of that, to where we're held accountable to certain drives, certain plays. Things get a little tough for us, and we, you know, tends to make some mistakes there. So you're right. I, I think I like us better when we do a little bit more freelance and just going. But I would say to his point, though, um, that season when we were seeing basically like where Nagy was scripting out those plays, you were seeing that offense. They would just drive down the field and score with ease, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. 
So I just wonder, yeah, man, I'm, they may need to get back to that, at least on open and drives, just to maybe get the confidence going with the offense. Um, yeah. But the thing is, our team sees the ball well like that, though, even even in this game here. I think we had some opportunities in this game where we were just flowing, and then all of a sudden we got slowed down to certain things to run and certain plays to make, and uh, that's when things kind of went a little bit sour. But that's just my take on that piece. No, exactly. We had a lot of them today, so we, we got a few more to run through. So Sarah Carter, another friend of the podcast, she hit us up and she said, our offensive genius still can't figure out how to put together a run game. <laughs> she said, <laughs> <laughs> dump passes to Miller to get two to three yards um, and continue to disrespect Montgomery. She said, Montgomery was key to getting us down the field for that field goal at the half. She said, the interaction between Nagy and Foles at the half was also very telling. Yeah, um, she makes a good point there. She, matter of fact, that's a lot that she shared there. So I'll try to tackle some of it. Um, here, <laughs> she hit a lot. She hit me with a lot there. But I will say, there were some um, concerns I had with the play calling. Should we run it? Should we pass it? We got the running game going. Let's use it, right? We got the passing game going. Let's roll with it, right? And I think there are time frames where we just did a nagging and do a good job at balancing out what we should run or should we pass it and, and, on those things. So I will say uh, we got to do better around play calling. Because I think a lot of times when we got those good rushings going on, it was because we had uh, Foles hot, right? And I'll tell you right now, Pat just saw that. He's getting hot. He's heating up, right? Because I think Foles is like um, seven for eight at one point, right? Heating up very well. So you see those things, you're going to try to stop the passing, and then guess what? We can try to go with a run play. So we got to really be mindful of those kind of things like that of what we're doing when we call them plays. No, that's absolutely correct. Um, we get another one from TJ Brooks. Uh, his tweet was uh, – Basically, it was critical of Matt Nagy. He said, uh, an early timeout, now delay of game in the red zone. Come on, Nagy. Yeah, we can't have that happen at all. I mean, you can't call a timeout and have a delayed game. That's Why even call a timeout then? Right, right. <laughs> the fix the purpose. So now you lose a timeout, you got a delayed game, and guess what? This is going to hurt the whole drive right here, really. Um, a successful drive or a decent drive turned down to a bust. Yeah, it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing here? What are you doing? And you know what? Here's the thing here. We've seen plays like that happen time and time out, time and time again in this season. And you know what? You weren't surprised when you saw that. I don't think anyone was surprised. We were just pissed off. We weren't yeah. surprised. You can't be surprised by anything that he does anymore. Because you just, right. I mean, at the end of the game, when he's throwing the ball, and I'm like, run the damn ball, man. Like, come on. I don't exactly. care. I don't care if they are stopping us. At least force them to use a timeout. Take some time off the clock, bro. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That was our point in the fourth quarter, right, um, of today's game. When he had a chance to run the ball, he decides to throw it. I'm like, why are you throwing it? Run it. <laughs> so it's like, no, it's like, Nagy, you got to know when to run and when to pass, man. Don't just run the run. Don't just pass the pass. Just know when to do it. Right. And I, that's why I thought the point that you made earlier is just, he distilled to me when I made that point about him not having a feel for the game. Yeah. That backs up exactly what you were saying, because he has to have a feel for what's going on out there. Exactly. And sometimes he don't. He just sometimes just looks like he's going to get a play out there just to get it out there just to try to throw the team off, but it's an effective play. And I'm like, come on, man. Got to do better with that. Man, for real. Well, that was the last of our fan reactions. The last segment here, we're going to do our preview of the Rams game. Before we get into that, A-Dub, I wanted to kick it over to you. As you look ahead to week seven, what is an area of improvement or opportunity you see for this team uh, going into the next game? I think what I see for improvement, I'm not going to pick too much on eggs. I thought we did a lot of good things well in this game here. But I do think for an improvement standpoint, we got to get our wide receivers you know, more involved in, in, in the game. Because guess what? Our wide receivers didn't stand out much at all this game, if you think about it, overall. We got to get these guys really you know, cooking. And we didn't cook today. We got to make some big plays. We didn't make any today, really. So we need to get some of those big plays going on 
um, coming to the next game because we're going to have to against the Rams. I would say this, man. I'm going to put it on, on Nagy. I think that he got bailed out today by his defense. I agree. On the positive note, we do continue to win close games. And that's a fact that's going to be important for all of our listeners to remember, right? Because right. it could go either way right in this league. So I would just say this. Thank God for this defense. Um, all six of these games have come down to one-score games. The reason why I'm critical of Nagy is because, to me, today's game shouldn't have been this close. We allowed the Panthers to hang around. And the thing is with Nagy, he's got to stop being so cute with the play calling. You brought up earlier how we were running out of the shotgun, right? Now, right. there's times when Nagy, matchup-wise, will have certain players lined up. And to me, I think it's very obvious to the defense what the play call is getting ready to be, right? Right. And I think that he's going to have to do a better job of scheming. Uh, so if he wants to get the run game going, maybe get somebody back there that can maybe open up a hole or maybe uh, Montgomery can run out of the eye. I've, I've mentioned that in the past, but he's got to do something a little bit more exotic, I think, to get some running lanes open out there. But I just right. think that he needs to stop being cute with the play calling because we got a Rams team that's coming up that we're going to get into. This team isn't the Carolina Panthers. Right. And, and we got to get this offense flowing because right now this offense – is still broken. And I agree with that. And sometimes you got to keep it simple as well. We make some of these plays too complicated. Just you know, make, a, make, make a nice little route play, throw it there, we're good. Let's make a nice little run play this way, that way, and we're good. But we make it so complicated to where the point is, everyone gets lost, we don't make that key block. You know, it's like our guys are confused on the offensive line on who they should block. Yeah, no, that's a good point, A-Dub. That is a really good point. Well, let's let's kind of fast forward a little bit and and let's talk through the the next game, right? So we got we got the Rams that are, uh, we're going to be facing out in LA, right? Yes, that's so, correct. That's going to be a good one because the Rams are they're in a competitive um, NFC North conference. They're four and one. They're actually going to be playing later on tonight on um, Sunday Night Football. Um, right. So as of right now, they're four and one, playing very good football. But mm-hmm. when I look at this game, a dub. I look at a Rams team that has some key losses this offseason. So they lost Todd Gurley, right? He went to Correct. the Falcons. They lost Brandon Cooks, Dante yep. Fowler, and Greg Zerline, right? Right. They lost now, some guys. They lost some guys. However, they still got that man, that bad man, 99, uh, Aaron Donald. Woo! That's a bad man, right? 7.5 sacks. And let's just be honest, A-Dub. We now have coward, white hair, whoever combination in the middle – that's going to basically be tasked with trying to stop him. What are your thoughts there when it comes to that matchup? Man, we got to put an extra guy to be to block him. If Foles want to get out this game feeling pretty good about himself, we're going to put some extensive blocking on him. This guy leads in, in sacks. He has 7.5 sacks so far this year. He's number one in it through five games. We got to try to hold, contain him. We really do. If we don't do a good job containing him, I'm quite sure I will see Foles on his back a couple times next game. One thing, too, this guy's the best defensive tackle in the game by a long, long mile, right? Yeah, two-time um, yeah, two defensive player of the year, right? Defensive player of the year, 2017-2018, right? Yep. The other thing, though, think about this, A-Dub. So, obviously, last season we lost to the Rams, and we'll get into that a little bit uh, in, a, in a bit um, on this uh, preview. But let's go back to the 2018 game when uh, the Rams came to Soldier Field. And you saw where our offensive line was actually able to neutralize uh, Aaron Donald. And so for our listeners, we want to make sure that you guys realize that it is possible for us to have some success against this guy, but it's going to be a team effort collectively, because right. I would tell you in that 2018 game, the best thing that they, they did 
was they basically schemed and they ran plays away from him to basically make sure that he didn't have any major impact. Yeah, and that's going to be a, that's a good point you brought up because you're right. We did do a good job with that. But again, it seems like our offensive line kind of got worse, right? We didn't get any better. We got worse. But like you said, he still can be stopped if we make a collective effort. Another area to think about with this matchup, A-Dub, is we got Jalen Ramsey that's going to yes. be locking horns with A-Rob, right? Yes, yes. And he's not going to need a double team. He's going to play A-Rob head up. What you think about that matchup? Man, that's a fun matchup, man. I like these matchups like this, man. <laughs> <laughs> I do, man. Because guess what? Our guy is going through what? He's trying to get paid, right? You're yep. trying to get paid, A-Rob. All right, I totally get it. Well, guess what? These type of elite uh, wide receivers go against guys like Ramsey. I want to see what you can do against a guy like him. You know, I'm not saying this is more of a, um, you know, uh, you know, a, a big time, big time thing like it would be with Jay Rice going against the. Uh, oh, Deion Deion. Sanders. It's yeah. not to that level though. But you know what? This is a great matchup. So to me, I want to see a Rob earn his money, man. Earn that money, a Rob. It's a good yeah. time for you to show that. So, yeah. folks, help yep. him out. Because I'll tell you one thing, uh, Jalen Ramsey got that bag. He's the highest paid uh, DB in the league. He signed a $105 million extension this offseason. So, A-Rob, if you want your extension, then it's your time to show up against a guy like that. Because if he takes that guy to school, then the Bears, they got no excuses, right? None. <laughs> None. <laughs> maybe, hey, look, maybe this is the game that um, you know, Pace was looking at. Like, let me see what he do against Jalen Rams while off on the, the money. <laughs> Let's see what he does here. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But you know what? So when we look at this Rams team, and A-Dub, you probably know this, and you'll probably go into a little bit more details about this, but the Rams last season, they didn't make the playoffs, right? But right. they've made the playoffs a lot under uh, McVay. Um, so they've actually have had three straight winning seasons under him, but they retooled their entire offense. And I'll tell you one thing. When I was watching some of their games from this season, what I noticed is last season, the Rams played like a very finesse style of, of, uh, of offense. Right. This season, they're playing more physical point of attack offense, and they're basically hitting teams in the mouth. They have a nice one-two combination with the running backs. Uh, I think it's uh, that Akers kid and Daryl Henderson. Yep, Malcolm Dunn, like Malcolm, Malcolm Dunn, right? Malcolm Brown, uh, sorry, Malcolm Brown. Malcolm Brown. Yeah, so, so Brown's hurt, but they got Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson is back yes, there now. Absolutely. But Brown, he's another one. So that's the thing. You have three backs there that are getting carries in this offense. But what, what do you think when you think of this Rams offense? Uh, I like the offense because you know what? It's not just their running back, right? They actually have some guys on the, on the wide receiver spot. You got Cooper Cup, right? The guy that yep. just paid money. Um, yep. They do have him out there. Um, they actually had Robert Woods out there making big plays for them. So they got a, a balanced team as far as that go. And you mentioned the running backs. They love to use them both, really. They're going to use both their running backs um, this year. So uh, as you can see, they like to give both of them chances. With that, we're, we're going to see a, a balanced attack coming our way from this team here. Exactly. And, and one of the points you made about those receivers, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, these guys, they're very dangerous after the catch. Agreed. And so it's going to be very important for our secondary to keep these guys in front of them because those guys in the open field, they can basically get away from you. Exactly. And one thing I want to touch on really quickly as well, they're a complete team, man. Their defense, they're ranked one number five in defense, really. You know, they're number yep. two in um, giving up passing yards. I mean, 197. Um, again, you're right. Jelly Ramsey play a big part in that. But, man, they got a good secondary out there, man. Uh, those guys, who do they have? They got uh, Jalen Ramsey, 
They have a couple other guys out there who I thought in their secondary, um, their, their safeties out there, who are very good too. So uh, they got a good core, you know. Uh, and I think uh, with us, we're going to have our hands full, man, because they core guys, they tackle, man. Those safeties they have there, they get down and grind. They they, they, get, they pick a lot of good plays for them. So we're really going to have our hands full when we think about them on both ends, you know. So we got to be prepared for that, man. Yep. And one thing, too, when you look at the struggles that the Bears have had offensively, well, when I look at uh, Sean McVay, He's another offensive mastermind guru type of guy. But what it looks like for him is he's kind of basically pulled back the the curtain a little bit on his uh, offensive strategy. And he's basically letting the running game help him open up the passing game. So these guys, they run that play action pass to perfection in this offense. Oh, they do. Yeah. And it's taking a lot of pressure off of golf. And the thing is, they pick up a lot of big plays, man. And people don't give them a lot of credit for it. But I'll tell you, man, Rams be getting some big plays out of, out of their wide receivers. So I think for us, we got to watch those big plays too. Absolutely, man. And that's it. Like I was mentioning earlier with Jalen Johnson, it's mm-hmm. going to be very imperative for him to work on that technique because I'm telling you, this is a game where there's no DJ Moore's out, uh, out on, on that Rams offense. They, right. got some, they got some boys. <laughs> I agree. And the thing is, I want to see who Pagano puts on cup. Do we go fuller? Or do we go to our rookie and say, okay, here's some more education for you today. Let's go. You got you going against Cooper Cup. I, I don't know. I, I really want to see how that matchup is going to play out as well. If I had a say in this, I would love to see Kyle Fuller locked up with Robert Woods. And okay. I would and I would like to see what uh, Jalen can do with Cup. Okay. But I also think to the point that you made um, earlier, if there for some reason we got any struggles that happen, we're going to have to make a switch. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. It's nothing wrong with it. The thing is, there's no shame in making a switch, right? We got a pro bowl on our team, right? There's no shame when you got a pro bowl. No shame at all. No shame at all. Because at the end of the day, man, this is about winning. It's, we don't have time to be worried about people's feelings and, and this and that, right? So right. at the end of the day, if you're not getting the job done, then we got to make sure that we're basically uh, protecting this defense. Because I'm telling you, this Rams offense is going to come in here and it's it's going to make some problems for us. The thing, too, when I look at the game that we had with the Rams last season, right? So we lost in that game 17-7. to This is the notorious game where you remember this A-dub where Mitch got pulled from the game late. They claimed that he had a hip injury, even though during the broadcast, no one mentioned anything about his hip being hurt. Right. And you saw, <laughs> and you saw Nagy having that conversation with him, and you saw Mitch in tears, right? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and so what I would just say is that game, when we saw what Nagy did, it was a very frustrating game as a Bear fan to watch because in that game, when we lost that game, it dropped us to four and six at the time. And that really, in before November had even wrapped up last season, we were already out of the division race, right? Right, exactly. And so when I look at this with Nagy, I thought in this ball game, and you probably remember this, it was a lot of key plays. Eddie Pinheiro missed two field goals um, early on in that game. And then there was a fourth and nine play where Nagy decided to go for it on their own 31-yard line instead of kicking the field goal because he didn't have uh, faith in Eddie, right? Right. And they went for it on fourth and nine, and it was incompletion. And so in a ball game like that, when you basically miss two field goals, right, that's six points there, and you have another chance to maybe score, that's just leaving points on the field, and that's been a problem with this offense going back as long as I can remember, right, A-Dub? Absolutely. What I need to see when we have this matchup against the Rams is we have to make consistent use of, if we get inside of a scoring opportunity, we have to capitalize. I agree. And I think one thing I want to point out that you're right, we got to capitalize. 
those safeties I was referring to was um, Taylor and Johnson. Those two guys over there for the Rams. They're solid, man. Those guys are very good in the run defense. I mean, we, we talk about running football in Montgomery, right? We got to watch out for those guys ready to come in there. So um, either way it go, we got to make sure that our number two weapons, two and three, option two and three, right, on our team because our A-Rob got his hands for, got to be effective along with our tight ends. No, man, exactly it. Because, and this is my thing too, we got to be effective there because they, they have that tight end uh, Everett. Um, and when Greg was mentioning about Danny Trevathan, which I'm not going to beat him up too much, but I'm telling you, this Rams game is going to be the key for me of seeing if Danny has improved because he's going to not only have to cover Everett, but he's going to have to recover. He's going to have to cover speedy running backs coming out of that backfield. And, and matter of fact, it's two of them coming out of that backfield speedy. Yep. <laughs> so he yep. got to see his food as well, man. And that's what we're going to see. Because the thing is, for some reason, I mean, at least what I've been seeing so far, the running backs have not been picking on Smith much at all. It's been pretty much Trevathan. This game is going to be really important for Khalil Mack. Last season in the game, we saw that Khalil Mack was pretty much neutralized by a rookie uh, right tackle in that game, Bobby Evans. So in today's, I mean, the next week's ball game, Rob Havenstein is going to be the tackle that's going to be tasked with trying to neutralize Khalil Mack. And we see that this season, Khalil Mack is starting to basically, he's starting to like really starting to get in the, in the backfield and starting to make these plays. Now, not just the pressures, but actually finishing plays, right? We have a lot to credit for that. We have these guys around him that are stepping up, right? And I so we can, we can only hope that that'll continue to be a thing with this defense because if Khalil Mack can have a big game against the Rams, that's going to go a long way from taking a lot of pressure off that secondary next week. I think we have a good defensive depth that if one guy have an off dike, we have others that can step in and do the job. You know, I mean, Mingo came in, done some good things for us. Um, Baldwin's been doing good for us. So uh, we've seen, you know, a, a lot of, I mean, Harris doing good for us. we got a lot of guys out there that's been helping out. So uh, with that collective effort, we can keep that pressure on there. I think we'll do a good job. No, you're definitely right because the philosophy of this team definitely has been that next man up because, as you mentioned, Mingo, Vaughters, Edwards, we're seeing these guys making plays. And let's not even – we haven't even talked about DeAndre Houston Carson. Right. For the second week in a row, made game, a game-saving play at the end to seal the game. Last, we saw it last week against the, uh, Brady when he deflected and broke up the pass. Right. And we saw it today when, the, when Robert Quinn had that great pass rush and we see that DeAndre Houston broke on the ball, intercepted the ball. So this Bears team has been the epitome of the next man up, and that has been really encouraging to see, A-Dub. Exactly. And one other person we didn't mention was Ryan Brett Urban. I mean, um, he's done good, too. So uh, you're right. right. We're loaded, man. We are loaded on defense. So I'm feeling pretty strong about that. But one thing I'm going to talk about this really quickly, though. You know Leonard Floyd is over there with the uh, Rams, right? Who, who's that? <laughs> Leonard Floyd. Who? Who? <laughs> just want to throw it out there. That's all. Just want to throw it out there. You know, maybe a little bitter. You know, we didn't, so, we didn't sign him back. So we, uh, so we had a guy today that was supposed to have his revenge game, and he didn't have one. So you think that Floyd might be the next guy? <laughs> think the guy a little revenge game uh, in him? He might. He might. You know, <laughs> just had to throw it out there, man. That's all. Got to throw it out there. I'm gonna need him to pretend that he's playing for the Bears, and that he's got Khalil Mack on the opposite side, and that he's gonna just basically not make any pass rush all week. So that, that's what we need to see next week. Just, just show us who you really are, Leonard. That's all. Just show or, or, us you know, who you are. Or, or take Tupac. What Tupac said in Above the Rim, even though you're playing for them, you're still playing for me. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Birdie won't, Birdie won't play. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
Well, the only other thing that I wanted to say when I think about last year's game when we played the Rams was, and this is, I'm going to pick on you again, but Anthony Miller, I don't know if you remember any game last year. So Anthony Miller had a play where a, a pass was targeted to him and deflected off of him. He And so he simultaneously was the uh, culprit in the ball being intercepted. He also interfered. And while this was going on, he's taunting the player that made the interception. And I'm like, that is the most Anthony Miller shit ever. And that's why I'm like, when a guy like that, when Greg brought up the potential, I'm like, fuck potential, bro. I'm tired of, <laughs> I'm tired of talking about potential. Potential don't win you games. It don't. It doesn't. It doesn't. This is a results-oriented business. And so when I see a guy like Anthony Miller and he continues to do stuff like this time and time again, it's time for us to get the next man up because Mooney is ready, right? But let's see what Wims has. Let's see what Ridley can do because – my thing is, Miller has been too inconsistent for my liking. I agree. Very inconsistent. It's not even too inconsistent. I mean, he's very inconsistent. I mean, has he even had a good game this year so far? Maybe maybe one? Maybe uh, one? It, it, well, he had that game where he caught the game with a touchdown. But that's all we have to hold on to. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. So with that, as you can see, Nagy has been putting others in there. At least Mooney, right? Getting that chance at getting more you know, um, playing time. But I think, as, you, as we saw these past couple weeks, his role is being diminished, as you can see. So right. I'm not sure how far it's going to go to, right, to where other guys like Wim and Ridley get a chance. But as we can see, the role is diminishing. It's definitely diminishing. Well, before we, man, we get out of here, man, I wanted to do, uh, you know, a quick little uh, shout out for the contest that we're running uh, for the month of October here. Uh, we're giving away a signed Allen Robinson football uh, we're about two weeks left in the contest. We wanted to throw out a bonus question uh, for people that are participating and obviously listening to our podcast. So question for you guys, and it's going to count for five bonus points for the contest. Tell us in our DM on Twitter who our number one bear of all time was. That's going back to episode three of this podcast. Uh, so if you guys send an answer to our DM, you get an additional five bonus points uh, to the contest. So good luck to everyone that's playing. Two weeks left to go. A-Dub, before we get out of here, man, the one thing I want to just remind everybody when it comes to this team, once again, Club Dub is back open. Yes, it is. <laughs> we're 5-1, and one, and we're on L.A. But the one thing I'll say is this trend on offense, A-Dub, it can't continue like this. Uh, we're not going to go far as a team as long as we continue to play the way that we're playing on offense. We got to be consistent. And we have to not let this defense go to waste because this defense is dominant. And Bears fans, we just need to see more out of this offense. They have to pull their weight. I agree. And guess what? We got to continue scoring in the third quarter, right? Get our first strike this game against the Panthers. Got to strike again against the Rams. Absolutely. Well, man, A-Dub, this has been a fun episode, 5-1. and one. Go ahead and sign us off. Thanks for listening to the Bear Essentials Podcast. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. On next week's episode, we will recap the Week 7 matchup against the Rams. Bear Nation, come bear down with us. Peace.
This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton and adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.